0: Hey Conjurers, I'm Steph and I'm Sham. Welcome to season two of Crime and Conjure. We are kicking the season off with another wild story involving witchcraft, possession, curses, exorcism, and murder. This seemingly happy family took family drama to a whole new terrifying level. The Miranda Martin family seemed like a happy and perfectly normal family, but like so many couples, Vivian Miranda and Arthur Martin's marriage just wasn't working anymore. Together they had three beautiful daughters. The oldest, Serena, was very put together and responsible. The middle daughter, Charity, was the jokester. She was bubbly, fun-loving, and lit up any room she walked into. The youngest, Elizabeth, loved to dance and laugh and really looked up to her mom and her sisters. Vivian and Arthur agreed that an unhappy relationship wasn't good for anyone. In 1990, they divorced and Vivian and the girls moved to Sayville, Long Island.
1: Good for them. I always tell people children are no reason to stay in an unhappy relationship.
0: Exactly. It does more harm to keep children in an unhappy home than to divorce.
1: So Vivian bought a house out in Sayville? Vivian's family
0: was extremely close, and it made the most sense for her and the girls to move into her parents' large split-level home. Vivian's parents lived in the top half of the house, and she and her daughters lived in the lower half. Sayville was a small town with a population of only 16,000 people, but it was voted one of the friendliest towns in America. Serena, Charity, and Elizabeth started school and fit right in. They were well-liked and popular. Charity even joined the cheerleading squad. Vivian was a laid-back and fun mom. Friends of the daughter said their relationship reminded them of the show Gilmore Girls. More best friends than mother-daughter. Everything wasn't perfect in the Miranda house, however. Vivian's mother, Emma, was a devout Catholic and didn't approve of Vivian's lifestyle. She didn't approve of the pool parties Vivian allowed her daughters to throw, and she definitely did not approve of Vivian's new job at a new-age holistic shop. When Vivian decided to start fresh after her divorce, she got very interested in spiritualism, crystals, and more free-spirit nature religions. Vivian's father, Sam, was a buffer between the two women. He always supported and protected Vivian from her mother's disapproval.
1: I mean, it's her house, so if she doesn't want parties thrown there, she should respect that. But Mama is tripping regarding Vivian's occupation. I'm all for working at a holistic shop.
0: Totally. Opening a new age store or holistic shop is like my dream, man.
1: (laughs) I don't know any healthy families, though, where the dad sides with the daughter over his wife. I'm a daddy's girl myself, but my mama always got the last word.
0: Yeah, parents need to stick together. Well, in the summer of 1997, Sam was diagnosed with terminal pulmonary fibrosis and given less than a year to live. Vivian had always been a daddy's girl and took the diagnosis hard. It was a painful and debilitating illness. When he got too sick to care for himself, Vivian stepped in as his primary caregiver. During this time, Vivian became obsessed with tarot in a search for answers and guidance. She was terrified that when Sam died, Emma would kick Vivian and her daughters out of the house. Vivian and her mother had never gotten along, and she didn't know what would happen without her dad there to protect her. She met a woman who considered herself a Christian witch, who started to teach her about witchcraft and how to interpret the signs around her. The more Vivian learned, the more obsessed she became, and she started to teach it all to her daughters as well.
1: That's extremely sad, but it's common for people to do whatever they can to save their loved one's life, even if it's not in the traditional sense, you know. Christians pray, some talk to their ancestors and make sacrifices, In Vivian's case, she was looking for answers through tarot.
0: I personally also rely on my tarot when I'm going through difficult things in life. The important thing is to remain grounded and not let it become an obsession.
1: Right, and I've personally never heard of a Christian witch, so I'm not sure how reliable this source she found may be. (laughs) Christian
0: witches are a real thing, but honestly, I don't know much about it or how two seemingly contradictory things would work.
1: Did these girls enjoy these things that their mom was teaching them?
0: Charity was not as interested in the witchcraft as her sisters were. She just wanted to focus on high school, her job at the local pizzeria, cheerleading, and just being a normal teenager. During Vivian's exploration of witchcraft, she met another woman who became a mentor to Vivian. Through this woman, Vivian discovered Santeria, an Afro-Cuban religion that combines beliefs of West Africa and Catholicism. It's practiced all over Latin America. This friend became a constant influence in Vivian's life and convinced Vivian that her mother was actually a dark witch who was trying to hex her family. One day, while Emma was out of the house, Vivian, Serena, and Elizabeth searched the upstairs part of the house. They found altars and religious items that convinced them that Emma was a witch and using Santeria to hex them all. They also found a dollhouse that looked like a replica of the house they all lived in. Vivian was obsessed with the idea that Emma was using this dollhouse to curse and control them through dark magic.
1: You can't judge a book by its cover. Never assume that just because someone is practicing any form of a ritual or a spell, they're doing it out of ill will. She could have just asked her mom.
0: Regular Catholic rituals can seem like witchcraft as well, even. (laughs) (laughs) I agree that she should have just had a conversation about it. Maybe they would have had a better relationship that way.
1: So what exactly is Santeria? Is it like a really dark witchcraft? Great question.
0: I want to give everyone a little background on the Santeria religion so there isn't any misunderstanding. Santeria followers believe in just one God, the Christian God, but they also worship saints and their ancestors. Santeria is not a do-it-yourself religion. It's a community-based religion with a clearly defined hierarchy. Only trained priests perform ceremonies. Santeria is not actually witchcraft. Many people are fearful of religions such as Santeria and voodoo since they come across similar to practices of witchcraft. However, it's not the study of spells or using spells to harm or affect anyone else. Animal sacrifice is a part of the practice of Santeria, but it's rare. There's nothing cruel about the sacrifices and those attending the ceremony eat the animal. The animal is slaughtered in the same way that animals are slaughtered in Jewish culture for kosher meat.
1: It doesn't sound too far off from most religions. Every time you pray at church or recite the commandments, you are indeed performing a ritual. I don't see the problem.
0: Whoever Vivian's friend was seems to have been giving her misinformation and trying to rile her up.
1: Oh yeah. Did she ever ask her mom what was up with what she found in her part of the home while invading her privacy? <laughs> Absolutely not. Things became very tense in
0: the house. Charity was the only one not acting hostile to her grandmother. Then during the holidays of 1997, Charity came down with a high fever and broke out in a terrible, bumpy rash. Vivian didn't trust Western medicine and refused to take Charity to a doctor. Anyone who saw Charity over the next three weeks became very concerned. She looked horrible. She had lost a lot of weight and seemed weak and out of it. Later, it was determined that Charity had contracted mumps, but at the time, Vivian believed that Emma had put a curse on Charity and was making her sick. Vivian convinced her daughters of this as well.
1: Well, if she would have taken her to the hospital, they could have ruled out a medical condition and then she could blame her mom. But no, she just jumped right to it. She's just looking for a reason to point fingers at her mom.
0: It really does seem like it. Look. Western medicine isn't the only way, and I personally use a combination of holistic and modern Western medicine for myself and my family. But when someone in your family is seriously sick, step one should always be visit a licensed doctor.
1: Indeed. So it could have been anything else besides a curse, like so many things.
0: And the mumps vaccine has been standard since the 1960s, making contracting a case of the mumps pretty rare. This is likely the reason outsiders didn't know what was wrong with Charity right away. Treating mumps is very simple. Rest and plenty of fluids, and the person will most likely recover in two to three weeks. This would have been the case for Charity too, if at the same time, Vivian's father hadn't died of his illness. The trauma of losing her father pushed Vivian over the edge. She became extremely paranoid and became even more obsessed with signs. Vivian started seeing signs in everything. Birds became an especially significant messenger for whatever signs Vivian wanted to see. Specifically, she imagined she was receiving signs and messages directly from her deceased father.
1: Important deaths and major life events can often trigger some form of mental illness, whether it be depression or full-blown psychosis. I wonder if Vivian was dealing with that at the time.
0: Absolutely. We saw it last season, too, in episode 17, Stranger Than Fiction. When you lose a loved one, especially a parent, it's easy to let the desperation to have them back take over.
1: Yes, and there are so many examples of reaching out and trying to find anything you can to hold on to a lost loved one.
0: So, while they were all getting ready for Sam's funeral, Emma came down wearing old clothes she hadn't worn in years she offered to let Vivian borrow a pair of old shoes, which Vivian thought held horrible significance. At the wake, Vivian was suspicious that it was mostly Emma's friends, including a group of women who would often come over for prayer circles upstairs. Vivian and her daughters were sure this was Emma's coven, and they were there to do harm to Vivian and her children. At one point, Emma introduced the girls to a friend who was wearing what Vivian described as a voodoo headdress. When Emma insisted the girls each shake his hand, Vivian went wild, convinced that they were cursing her daughters.
1: Maybe Grandma just wanted to introduce her friends to her grandchildren. It's okay for Grandma to have a social life, too.
0: (laughs) Also, it's her husband's funeral. Of course she wants her friends there to support and comfort her.
1: Right. Grandma can do no right in Vivian's eyes, no matter what she does at this point.
0: It only got worse from there. Vivian would go days without sleep. She would sit up all night reading the Bible and obsessively journaling. Eventually, Serena started doing the same with her mother until they would both collapse from sleep deprivation. They all became very afraid of Emma and would huddle together, chant, pray, and read the Bible for hours, sometimes all night. Emma started getting very concerned about her daughter's erratic behavior and the effect it was having on the girls. Sham will tell us more on this
1: story after a short break. Hey, Conjurers, this is Sham. I know my voice might sound a little different, but that's because I'm leaving this message through our Anchor app. We decided to add something special to some of our Season 2 episodes that include you. This link will allow you to leave us a review, tell us about your favorite episode, and what you love about the podcast. It's also available through downloading the Anchor app. We want to get to know our followers and where you guys are from. This link will be available on our social media and website. Now, we cannot wait to hear from you guys, but until then, stay vigilant. Now, let's get back to the show. On Sunday, January 18th, at about 4 p.m., Emma heard yelling that sounded like they were doing something horrible to charity. She didn't know what was going on. Vivian and the girls had been locked in their section of the house for hours, and she couldn't get in to check on her granddaughter. She got scared and left the house, worried they might come after her next. She fled to her son's house, where she told her daughter-in-law, Shannon, everything that had been going on.
0: I'm sorry, hold up. She heard them yelling about hurting her granddaughter, but instead of calling the police, she just leaves the house? That is the moment to call 911.
1: Yeah, I honestly don't get it. Even once she got to her son's house, she could have called the police there once she was out of harm's way. I don't understand what was going on in her head.
0: I don't either. Maybe she didn't want to get her daughter in trouble or something, but she could tell something was seriously wrong with Vivian for the last several months, and she should have tried to protect her granddaughter. Did anyone else try to stop whatever was happening?
1: Well, Emma's brother Harry was in town for Sam's funeral and had been staying there at the house with Vivian. He left around 3 p.m. to do some shopping, but when he returned, he couldn't get in. He knocked on the door, but no one answered. He swore he could hear some odd chanting coming from inside, so he ran around and knocked on the window, but Vivian just closed the curtains in his face. He figured they wanted to be alone and left. Charity had been out of school and work for three weeks, but this was supposed to be her first day back at work. When she didn't show up, her friends and coworkers were concerned, but no matter how many times they called, no one answered. After work, her friend Erin decided to pick up another friend and drive by the house to make sure Charity was okay. Around 8pm, they arrived at the house and noticed a light on upstairs, and they heard Vivian and Serena yelling inside the house. They knocked and knocked, but no one came to the door. They ran around the back and looked in Charity's room window. They didn't see Charity, but her work shirt was laying out on the bed as if she was getting ready for work. They had no choice but to leave. Before leaving, they left a note on Charity's car telling her that they loved her and to let them know that she was okay.
0: Each of these concerned family and friends could have helped by calling 911 and asking for at least a wellness check.
1: I get that people don't want to bother people or overreact, but sometimes it's worth it. Well, I get it on the friends' behalf. They had no idea what Charity's mom was into, and what they were doing in that house would have never crossed their minds. That's until they heard the screams. That should have been a huge red flag.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and teenagers aren't expected to know what to do in that kind of situation. They didn't really know what was happening.
1: Family, friends, and neighbors had no idea what was going on in that house. Vivian, Serena, and Elizabeth had convinced themselves and Charity that she was possessed by a demon. For seven long hours, Vivian, Serena, and Elizabeth attempted to perform an exorcism of the demon they believed was taking over Charity. Over the last few weeks, they had watched Charity become weak and depressed during her illness. They were sure this was because the demon was taking more and more of Charity's life force. They were quoted saying, There was no love in Charity. Her body broke out in a rash of pimples, and she got thin and had a wart on her finger. The three prayed out loud for hours trying to drive the demon from Charity's body. She would encourage her mother and sisters by murmuring her grandfather's name and asking them to say the prayers again, over and over during the seven-hour exorcism. Uh, weakness,
0: depression, a rash, weight loss, and a wart? She had been sick for weeks. That isn't possession, it's the flu, or in this case, the mumps. She needed a doctor, not a seven-hour amateur exorcism.
1: Right. Listen up, conjurers. Do not perform an exorcism unless you have the credentials to do so. I can picture her having the flu and becoming delusional because of the high fever that was never treated. Not because she's possessed. Exactly. Exactly. Trying to
0: perform an exorcism or really any kind of religious ritual when you don't know what you're doing is extremely dangerous.
1: They believed it was a demon in Charity that was screaming and fighting them, but they managed to hold Charity down. When she would stop screaming, they would let her sit up. Vivian asked Charity if the demon was gone, but Charity weakly shook her head and faintly said no. Vivian told her to blow the demon out through her mouth. As she did this, Vivian put her lips to Charity's and told her to blow the demon into her and she would try to kill it. It didn't work. Vivian held her daughter sobbing, I love you, and Charity screamed, it hurts, get it out. Vivian promised they wouldn't let the demon take her.
0: It's clear Vivian loved her daughter, and in her sick, delusional mind, she probably truly believed she was helping Charity. The Catholic Church has a strict evaluation process regarding exorcisms for this exact reason, and they have well-trained priests perform them if deemed necessary. People shouldn't just be making up a do-it-yourself exorcism at home. Blowing it out of her mouth into someone else? Where did they get these ridiculous
1: ideas? (laughs) It had to be from a movie or something. Her mom definitely seemed legally insane and wouldn't see the wrong in what she was doing until she was heavily treated.
0: So, their made-up exorcism wasn't working. What did they do next to try to save Charity?
1: A little after 10 p.m., Vivian told the girls that the exorcism wasn't working and this wasn't Charity anymore. She told them that they had to kill the demon. They tried to smother her with pillows, but it didn't work. Exhausted and terrified, 15-year-old Elizabeth was huddled on the couch. Vivian told her to go lock herself in the bedroom, and Elizabeth did as she was told. Alone and scared in the room, she started to realize that what they were doing was wrong. She tried to call 911, but the buttons on the phone made a loud beeping noise with each push and she was scared her mother would hear her, so she hung up. She was terrified that she might be next and tried to climb out the window she bumped a table and a perfume bottle crashed to the floor elizabeth dove under the covers of the bed and hid the
0: grandmother the uncle and the friend were all there and concerned hours before charity was murdered they could have saved her life if they hadn't given up and just called nine one one. i get why elizabeth was too scared to reach out for help she was an innocent teenage girl who trusted her mom
1: yeah i do understand why elizabeth was too afraid She would have easily been next if her mom claimed she was a demon that night, too. Her other family members failed her. I know they knew something wasn't right with Vivian, otherwise they wouldn't be so fearful of her.
0: I agree. It's not a good sign that Vivian wanted her youngest daughter to leave the room. Whatever Vivian did next, part of her knew it wasn't something Elizabeth should see.
1: Out in the other room, Serena held Charity down by her arms as Vivian put a plastic blanket bag over her head. It was a violent and slow death as they suffocated her instinctually charity struggled and fought for her life but weakened from her illness and hours of religious torture. She was no match for her stronger family members. After a while Elizabeth noticed it was quiet again and she came out of the bedroom Vivian told her not to look at the body but she did anyways and immediately broke down in tears. Serena was pacing the room and Elizabeth knew charity was dead. Vivian told the girls not to be sad because that wasn't charity. She encouraged them to not be attached to the empty body. That's
0: horrible. Those girls should have been upset. They just helped murder their sister.
1: Right. And a body is just a body after death, but that body was still the person you loved.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So what did they do with her body?
1: They moved the body to the bottom of the stairs by the door to Emma's part of the house. Some believe they moved the body there to try to make it look like an accident, but if that were the case, they most likely would have tried to clean up the exorcism evidence as well. Others believe they put her there as an offering to Emma in her coven, hoping she would spare the rest of them, mistakenly believing that a sacrifice to God in a coven might appease them and prevent any future curses.
0: This lady is totally insane. No one in their right mind would sacrifice their child to try and prevent a coven of witches from cursing them. Even if grandmother was a witch, and I don't believe that she was, this is not
1: how any of that works. Not at all. And like, what was their plan to just leave her body there in a zip-up bag forever? Eventually they would have gotten caught.
0: What did they do after murdering Charity in cold blood?
1: Well, the three of them went into the bedroom and held hands in a circle as they read revelations out of the Bible. They believed that Sam would now come back from the dead to protect them from Emma and the evil. They turned on his favorite Frank Sinatra albums and clung to each other, chanting, praying, and reading the Bible. Later that night, Harry and Shannon went back to the house and looked in all the windows, knocking on all the doors and windows, trying to get someone to answer. Suddenly, through one window, they saw a motionless body laying at the foot of the stairs leading to Emma's door inside. They immediately called 911. When the police arrived, they heard chanting in what sounded like a foreign language and blasting Frank Sinatra music. No one answered the door, so they went around looking in the windows like the family members had done. They saw an altar with candles and religious items, and then they saw a lifeless body laying on the stairs. They broke down the door and found Vivian, Serena, and Elizabeth clinging to each other in some kind of trance, chanting gibberish. It was a surprisingly difficult struggle to pry them away from each other and place them in separate cruisers. On the stairs, 17-year-old Charity was face down with no top on. She had clearly been moved there after she was killed, and police found the true crime scene in Vivian's section of the house.
0: This is like a scene out of a movie. Not something you would ever expect to see in real life. These cops must have been so confused.
1: It's one of those cases I'm sure stuck with the police for life.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Was
1: Vivian or
0: either of the girls even mentally stable enough to tell police what they had done?
1: When they were arrested, Vivian and Serena were both mumbling to themselves a mix of prayers and nonsense. Police didn't have to wonder what had really happened because Vivian's obsessive journals told them everything in great detail. Vivian told police that in Santeria, it was good that she had killed her daughter and that Charity was a sacrifice to God. Vivian and Serena were both arrested and charged with Charity's murder. Elizabeth was not charged because she had not participated in the actual murder itself. Elizabeth told the investigators everything and it was clear from her statement that Vivian had been running the show and manipulating her daughters.
0: Those young girls bought into all of the nonsense their mom was feeding them. If only a mentally stable adult had been willing to step in and protect them from their mother's delusions.
1: All they needed was one adult to say something to get their mom the help she desperately needed.
0: There was really no question that they killed Charity. So what happened at the trial?
1: Vivian and Serena were arraigned separately and were each charged with second-degree murder. The judge ordered that Serena be held on a $750,000 bail. He declined to set bail for Vivian and directed that she undergo a psychiatric exam in preparation for a competency hearing. Arthur stood beside his daughter Serena during her arraignment in an act of support. He told media that he loves her and he still believes in her but refused to say anything regarding his ex-wife. He indicated that he did not know whether he could raise the money for the bond, but he would do whatever he could to help his daughter.
0: I get it. It would be extremely difficult to forgive his ex-wife for killing one of his daughters, but he could probably see that Serena was also a victim of Vivian's mental illness.
1: I mean, she murdered his daughter. I do believe Vivian's mental health should be acknowledged, but I don't know if I'd have it in me to care in that moment when everything is still so fresh.
0: Exactly. It sounds like the judge wanted Vivian evaluated. I have no doubt they found her criminally insane. But what about Serena?
1: Serena was allowed to plead a manslaughter and was sentenced between two to four years in prison. Vivian pled not guilty by reason of insanity. The prosecution had their own doctor evaluate her, and he agreed that she was indeed mentally ill. She was found not responsible for the exorcism death by reason of insanity and turned over to the Soul Folk Mental Health Commissioner, who was charged with deciding if she was dangerously mentally ill. She was declared mentally ill, but not dangerous, so she was paroled to a non-secure mental facility. After a relatively short period of time, she was ruled to be cured and was released, free to live her life however she pleased. How is she not dangerous?
0: She murdered her daughter. If only she had gotten psychiatric help before taking Charity's life. Someone in her life must have seen the red flags.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, but once you kill anyone, mentally ill or not, you are considered dangerous. I hope she stays on her prescribed medication since she was lucky enough to get her freedom back.
0: This just blows my mind. So where did they all end up?
1: Well, in the end, Vivian moved to another state where she still lives. Serena left Sayville after prison, got married, and became a mother herself. Elizabeth ended up changing her name and severed all ties with her family.
0: It wasn't witchcraft or possession that destroyed this family, but rather obsession and mental illness. Vivian had displayed red flags for months before it escalated to murder. She not only spiraled down into her own mental illness unchecked, but she dragged her impressionable daughters down with her. This is not even close to the only case of self-administered exorcisms that went horribly wrong. The end result was always the same in these sad cases. These victims didn't need exorcisms. The individuals that performed the exorcisms were the ones that needed to be treated. The idea that people are possessed with demons is one of the most widely held religious beliefs in modern day. All you have to do is turn on the television on Sunday and you hear one preacher after another talking about sin and the devil and driving out demons. The life of Charity could have been saved if Vivian had gotten the help she desperately needed. She needed a therapist, not religion.
1: NAMI offers support and education programs for families and individuals living with mental health conditions. NAMI recognizes that the key concepts of recovery, resiliency, and support are essential to improving the wellness and quality of life of all persons affected by mental illness. Find your local NAMI location at nami.org findsupport find support or call their helpline at 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264.
0: To view images, information, and sources from this case, visit our website at crimeandconjure.com. Research and writing for this episode was done by Stefan Sham. Editing of this episode by Denver Fortner Productions with music by Jordan Elena. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Crime and Conjure Podcast for the question of the week. If you like our podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even better, leave us a voicemail, which just might get featured on the show. You can find the link on our website
1: steph what's our conjure tip of the week
0: today we want to talk about the stone obsidian obsidian is a powerful stone good for a variety of uses but at its core it's a truth enhancing stone with strongly protective qualities it forms a shield against negativity it blocks psychic attacks and absorbs negative energies from the environment this stone helps bring clarity to the mind and clears confusion obsidian helps you to know who you truly are
1: this is a good one to have if you feel as if someone in your life may be manipulating you or wishing you ill will any stone that absorbs negative energy is worth carrying and keeping in your household we'll be back next week with another episode until next time stay vigilant conjurers